Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 6 and is verse 5 to verse 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thanks, Lucy. And can I add my welcome to Dave's? uh, It's great to be able to gather together, uh, under different circumstances, to worship and to learn from God's Word together. It's been a really tricky week, hasn't it, for all of us, for different ways. I'm somebody who likes to know what's going on. Uh, And so one of the things that I found most difficult, most challenging this week is my ability, uh, my my lack of ability even, to plan anything. Every day has felt a little bit out of control. Most of us make decisions, we make choices every day based on a general sense that we know what's going on. We, we have a sense what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. But this week, it feels like all of that has been shaken up and tipped out. In a sense, our ability to exercise our will has been taken away. And I felt that quite deeply. Normally, we'd have uh, the freedom to choose whether to go to work, the freedom to choose whether to go on holiday or to meet up with some friends or to go to the theatre or to the cinema or to a restaurant. We have the freedom to choose to send our children to school, even though they don't have the freedom to choose that normally. But this week, it's like our corporate and our individual wills have had to be submitted to the government to guidelines, to this virus, to illness, and to isolation. And I think that's why so many of us are finding this so hard, because normally our will is done, but now it feels like somebody else's will is done. And all that has given me a fuller understanding of why I, and I suspect that lots of us here and lots of you out there, sometimes find it really difficult to pray. Because prayer is choosing to put our will under God's. Some of us might have only tried praying maybe once or twice, maybe in a time of desperation or crisis. 
And if that's you, then can I urge you to uh, take an opportunity to just try praying. You might not know how to pray. Uh, Listen in, we're going to give you some tips this morning. But there's a great website called Try Praying, uh, and that gives you some really great stories and guidelines how to get started in a journey of prayer. Do look it up if that would help. There's a Christian writer called Eugene Peterson, and he talks about prayer like this. Life's basic decision is rarely, if ever, whether to believe in God or not, but whether to worship him or compete with him. He's talking about whether we're going to make ourselves number one in our lives or make God number one. And prayer is about saying to God, I haven't got this. I can't do this on my own. Let your will be done in my life not mine. So when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray here in Matthew chapter 6, do have it open in front of you if you've got a Bible to hand, starting at verse 5. He's he's, he's giving them a framework for prayer in perhaps the most famous prayer ever. We know it as the Lord's Prayer. And he is teaching us not what to pray. This isn't like a, a list of prayer requests. But he's teaching us how to pray, to learn to pray in a way which puts our will, our priorities, what we want under the grace and mercy and love of God, where we seek after him first rather than ourselves, where his will is our driver, our decision maker, when he becomes the air that we breathe. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I wonder if we think of prayer like that. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. You know, some of us might find that prayer has become a really low priority in our lives. Some of us might think, oh, I'm rubbish at praying. I find it really difficult, so I just don't bother. But if we all need to breathe to stay alive, how much more or how much do we need to pray to stay alive spiritually? And so Jesus makes prayer really simple for us. So let's look at some of the key features of this uh, passage from Matthew chapter 6. Firstly, he just says, keep it simple. Keep it real. Look at verses six and seven. Jesus makes it really clear. He says, you know, when you pray, you don't need to babble away. You don't need any special words or formula. Uh, You don't need to have all your questions answered about God and the world and everything in it. You definitely don't need to preempt God. He reminds us in verse eight, eight, um, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Keep it simple. Just pray. Just bring whatever's on your heart to God. And then he goes on. Go into your room and close the door. Now, that's not very difficult at the moment for most of us, is it? To be in a room on our own behind a closed door, because that's our permanent state of being. But he says, go into a room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Just talk to God naturally. Normally, as though you're talking to the people that you live with, the people you share life with, with a family member. 
Because secondly, Jesus is teaching us that prayer is about building a relationship, building a relationship with God. Look at verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus is inviting us to call God Abba, Father. That's the same name that Jesus uses for God. That blows my mind. Jesus is saying we can pray to God in the same way, using the same words that he does. He's inviting us into a living, loving relationship with the Father God. And it just blows my mind that you and I are invited to confidently and boldly approach God who is holy, almighty, all majesty, all powerful, all powerful, yet with confidence and boldness, like we would somebody that we live with, a close family member. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And when we hallow God's name, we're praying too that God's name would be made holy in our lives and in the lives of other people too. That in the words of Eugene Peterson, that quote I mentioned earlier, people would not compete with him, but would worship him. And so thirdly, we're to pray for transformation. When we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, We're praying to you that our world, that people we know, that our communities, rather than diminishing the name of Jesus, rather than diminishing the name of God, perhaps making it a swear word or seeing him as irrelevant, out of date, that they would make his name holy, that they too would find that Jesus, that God is their father, that they too would be invited in to this relationship with the loving Father God. And then Jesus goes on, he says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. What on earth does that mean? We're living in what theologians call the now and the not yet of the kingdom. A bit like a lot of us this week are living in the now and the not yet of the coronavirus. We see the effects and the implications of this virus all around us. But for lots of us, it is not yet. We haven't quite got it. Let's hope that continues, the now and the not yet. And Jesus is Lord now. Jesus has conquered death now. Jesus has redeemed the whole of his creation now so that we can acknowledge, when we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of our lives, we can see and experience transformation in our own lives and in the lives of people around us now. But it's obvious in our everyday lives that we also live in the not yet of the kingdom of God. Everything is very far from perfect. 
And after those of us who have children have been keeped up with them over the next few weeks, trying to keep them entertained and educated and energized and sane, whilst also doing our jobs and looking after our relatives and our neighbors and our friends for goodness knows how many weeks, we will know deeply and profoundly that everything is not perfect. And we all know every day, don't we, how much we hurt each other, how we destroy creation, how we see diseases rampant and and war ravages lives and children are abused. And so until the end of time, when, when we know that Jesus will come again, as Revelation 21 reminds us, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We're in the not yet of the kingdom of God, the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And Jesus tells us a little bit more about how we might experience the kingdom of God now when he tells us to pray this in verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Some of us are going to be needing to practice this on a daily basis, forgiving those who hurt us. But let's start by getting in the habit of being honest before God and asking for his forgiveness of us on a daily basis. Because when we experience God's forgiveness, we're able to forgive others more completely, more genuinely, more totally, without bringing things up and throwing things back in in folks' face again. Forgive as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. And as much as we have joy and we can know the goodness of God, the now of the kingdom of God. Jesus knows that testing times will come. He knew it for his disciples, and he knows it for us as well. And so he says, pray that you would not be led into temptation. Pray that you would be delivered from evil. Jesus is saying, you know, take responsibility for the difficult things that you have in life. By talking to your heavenly Father, who you're invited into this intimate relationship with, Bring that stuff before him on a daily basis and he will help you to stand firm, to be courageous, to be strong in faith and love. And so we're to pray for transformation, to pray in the kingdom of God, to pray for signs of the kingdom. So what does that look like now at this point during this time of crisis? Well, I think we can pray that as people have their normal stripped away, that they would start to ask questions and be searching for the God of all truth. I think we can pray, uh, as we've prayed already this morning, that the church would prominently rise up and bring transformation to society and communities during this time. And we can all pray for our part in that. Pray that your conversations will be real. We're going to have a whole load more time on the phone, Zoom, WhatsApp, FaceTime, whatever is your preference. So pray that those conversations would be real and genuine. And pray for natural opportunities to share your faith. Pray for those opportunities to share a reason for the hope that you have, even in times such as this. And pray for people to experience and to be transformed by the grace of God, by his love and mercy and justice and peace. And pray that during this time, 
we would all come to know God in a much more deep and meaningful way, that God's kingdom would come in our own lives. Tim Keller uh, wrote a brilliant book about prayer, and he says this, Prayer is not merely a way to get things from God, but a way to get more of God himself. So let's pray expecting more of God in our own lives. You know, I've been thinking this week about how sometimes in history, when humanity has experienced a time of crisis or when a society or a community has experienced a time of crisis, when suddenly everything gets out of control or society is shaken up in some way, God breaks through in surprising ways. And I was thinking uh, about the famous book, uh, The Hiding Place, written by Corrie ten Boom. Uh, During the Second World War, Corrie and her sister Betsy found themselves in horrendous circumstances in Ravensbrück concentration camp. They They were facing daily horrendous conditions and abuse. But Corrie ten Boom writes in her book how they were absolutely horrified one day to find out that their barracks were completely infested by fleas. They were everywhere. But during this time, Betsy, her sister, uh, challenged her that they should be thankful to God in all circumstances. There's a whole section of the book where they have this conversation about how can they be thankful when everything is so dire, when everything is out of their control. But after a while, it became apparent that the guards, who could be so cruel, who could be so violent towards them, weren't coming to this particular barracks because of the fleas. The fleas, the cause of so much irritation and disruption to their lives, meant that they were able to exist together in relative peace and freedom, free from the watchful eye of the guards. And as we continue uh, to pray into the situation that we're in at the moment, let's pray that God's kingdom would break through in surprising ways in surprising places. As we pray, God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. So at this time where everything is shaken up, where things are out of our control, where our will seems to be irrelevant, let's learn to pray. Let's learn to pray in a real and authentic way. Let's learn to pray in a way that builds up our relationship with God, where we know him as our heavenly father. And let's pray for transformation. Let's pray that God's kingdom would come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven.